Adversity. Real stories from real people. Persistence Culture presents the Adversity Podcast. All right, we are back. Another episode of the Adversity Podcast. Real people, real stories. I am your host, Mambo, and we got your co-host josh what is up man what's up everybody how we doing all right you got to tell us what happened to you josh break it down man so about that (laughs) so i I walk in nice old family outing last night turned into uh basically josh has a fractured kneecap now which is just fantastic i'm on crutches i got a nice little knee brace that i'm rocking yeah that's that's my life right now. There goes your basketball career, Josh. <laughs> that was gone. That was gone a long time ago. Zach. I thought you were still trying out. Oh yeah, <laughs> every day. All right, let's uh, introduce our guest. Who do we have today? So we've got Zach today. Zach is a really dear friend of mine. We both kind of have similar histories as far as how we grew up. Same with you, Mambo. Right. He also ended up as a youth pastor. Unlike me, he was able to kind of keep doing it. Uh, he didn't get he didn't get fired from his job. They, not, yet. They, not yet. They're working <laughs> Maybe on it. After this. <laughs> the, uh, I feel like I tried getting him fired. I offered him a beer. Yeah, he, yeah. I'll do that one for you, buddy. We're not that Baptist. I can have a beer, but not before one o'clock. Which I yeah, you, there's a time. Well, it's five o'clock somewhere. Is that? Yep. <laughs> we could say we recorded at five. Yeah, I yeah. mean, actually, yeah. Nobody knows what time we're recording this thing. Well, yet, but thanks for giving it away. Fun. Yeah, yeah. See, that's so, the thing about digital media. You can kind of do whatever you want and just say we did it at this time well, it's okay you can edit that out right yeah, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely get him get this man a beer <laughs> yes <laughs> so tell us about yourself zach oh man where do you want to start uh where'd you grow up at uh not vegas josh not vegas yeah i swore, <laughs> I swore reno and vegas were like similarly like close in geographical no. location but apparently i was way but you know what I, i'm glad you told that story earlier because that means i'm not the only one that thought that yeah yeah a lot of people think vegas and reno are like side by side but we're closer to Vegas and L.A. than we are where I was in Reno. But I grew up in Reno, Nevada, the beautiful city of Reno, Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I tell, I've been like, have you been to Reno? They're like, yeah, I drove through as fast as I could. Yeah. yeah. Or I've been to Tahoe and I saw Reno from on top of the hill, but no reason to go there. Grew up, let's see, I heard a pastor say once that he was Poe. They couldn't afford the OR on poor, right? And that was us. Like, we were we were Poe. Poe. Um, Po. Po, Po. Um, so Po couldn't afford the last two letters. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, you know, it's always interesting. My story is crazy because, you know, I think even in Camarillo, you can be really poor within a really wealthy area, right? So there's wealthy areas of, you know, I had wealthy family, but my mom and dad just made a lot of really terrible decisions in life that put us just in really hard places a lot. Um, a lot of just bad financial decisions. You know, just... It's tough to say, but sometimes you're poor because of things that happen to you, and sometimes you're poor because of decisions you make. Does that make sense? And I feel yeah. like a lot of people in poverty make bad decision after bad decision. And I just remember them, they'd get, you know, um, a tax return. Right. And it was like 700 bucks. And to them, that was like a million dollars. So what do you do with $700? Do you buy your kids clothes? No, you go buy the biggest house speakers you can find. <laughs> like these are decisions they make, you know. I, I remember doing that. <laughs> so, um, They'd spend $800 on speakers and put 100 on credit card, right? And then um, never pay it off. So those are the decisions they made. And then you guys you guys offered me a beer as a joke, but um, my dad's actually a completely non-functional alcoholic to the point where he's since become pretty much homeless, you know. Um, he lives in my brother's trailer. It's a single wide, though. It's nice. No, oh, yeah. It's classy, you know. <laughs> it's got a big screen in there. <laughs> 
screen's bigger than the whole trailer. You know? He got it with his last tax return. <laughs> Hard to get a tax return without an income, you know? Um, but not, I love my dad. My dad's, um, we've worked through, you know, I've worked through a lot of just childhood traumas, you know, just growing up. And, and sometimes, you know, you hear someone say as well, like, you know, I was poor or my father was an alcoholic. And you meet a lot of people like, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic. And we start sharing experiences. They're just not the same. Yeah. You know, because some alcoholics are completely, you wouldn't know mm-hmm. until they end up with in the hospital with some sort of organ damage, you know. But my dad was completely non-functional by the time I hit junior high to wow. where it was, you know, losing jobs, um, you know, Blackout drunk, rage drunk, car accidents, you know, things like that to where um, I decided around junior high that alcohol is just not going to be a part of my life. You know, it can't be. And I actually just found out yet another family member of mine has uh, is struggling with substance abuse, alcohol abuse. So uh, my dad was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. Cousins are alcoholics. So alcohol just becomes a thing where it's not (laughs) it's not a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. for me and I and it's gotten to the point where as an adult I love you guys if you consume alcohol that's your deal uh, I just can't even stand there being around drunk people anymore you know yeah like I want to cast them out of my presence you know yeah. <laughs> is that a reminder of when your dad was uh drunk yeah growing I, th- up? I think so just you know I think if you're drunk around drunk people it's fun but being the only sober person around drunk people is not a good time. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree to that. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. Like yeah. being the designated driver all the time. That was me. You know, it's it's wild you say that because there's you know I drink and 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 I've kind of you know especially you know coming from my pastoral background and growing up, you know I grew up Pentecostal, where we joked about this earlier, but it was a serious thing. You don't drink custard chew or hang out with those that do kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I had an my aunt who was the reason I play guitar is full blown alcoholic. Right. And for me, there was always this stigma around drinking that was very difficult for me because it was one of those things that was kind of communicated to us in the, from the church podium that if you take a sip, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I realized that was not accurate. You know, that was not an accurate thing. And so what I've kind of found myself in a position is you know, and and, I, and it would be different for me probably if, if it was my dad that, you know, because I didn't know my dad. My dad left at five, mm-hmm. right? So you know, I, I've heard he was, right? I've heard he was all these these different things, but... you never seen we, it. We didn't share a roof yeah. Yeah. after five years old, right? Mm-hmm. So my dynamic of thinking about that is, is, comp- is going to be completely different. But I think one of the things I respect and I love the most is that some of my happiest places I can legitimately say I've been in those seasons of my life where I didn't drink anything right or do any of that stuff I just took the time to focus on how can I better myself according to the word how can I allow myself to be a better person to those around me and then how can I grow closer in my faith that's going to be that that strength and that foundation by which I stand on and in it because Drinking is for me such a social thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's getting out, hanging out, getting, you kind of let loose a little bit after a couple of cocktails and you're being social, but he's, Zach's right. I mean, even it socially, it can, it can lead down a path that's, that's not, that's not healthy. Yeah. I could, I could think back to many moments where bad things or, or bad choices happen and it was, yeah. I was drinking. Yeah. 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 I mean, 85% of the bad choices I made, I was hammered, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. What except, except that fall yesterday, right? 
that. No, I was completely sober then. <laughs> <laughs> Not one cocktail. Wink, wink, huh? Yeah, yeah I, and you know the Bible's clear. All things are permissible, not all things are beneficial. I know your Pentecostal background. Um, I've yet to find a real beneficial reason to drink, other than, like you said, calming down for social situations. Yeah. You know, but I I can be calm in social situations without being buzzed, you know. And then there's always that really fine line, you know, like you meet a lot of believers, like, I drink, but I don't get drunk. Right. Are you sure? Yeah. No, I, I, I get <laughs> a little rowdy line, sometimes. I, I'm not that believer, I tell you. <laughs> Sometimes when I get a little rowdy is some of my best sermons come out. Yeah. I hope you're not drinking before you preach. So that'd be weird. Oh, no. I'm not doing it from a stage. I'm doing it from a bar stool. So you've never had a drink? Oh, yeah. Of course I have. Yeah. I think um, it was high school. So high, my actually, my cousin Josh just passed away from drinking. He's oh. 46. He, oh, man. My uncle found him in just a pool of blood in the morning. He had just died. Wow. And I'm not wow. even, we didn't even get, I didn't get word on how they, um, but he was in a drunken rage. My uncle was taking care of his adult son because he drank so much. This guy has a wife and ex-wife and kids, dude. And uh, um, it was just like tearing my uncle's house apart every night. He was supposed to go to rehab like the next day. And my uncle put on headphones and was listening to like sports. And my cousin Josh passed out, hit his face in the ground and bled out on the ground or something. You know, wow. either like a brain injury or a head injury or whatever it was. And my uncle wow. found him dead. And so... <laughs> You know, I have enough of those stories in my life, but w it was funny. He used to, um, he used to sneak me beer when we were a kid, when I was a kid. Oh, was really? Cousin. So he'd like sneak me drinks off the 40 in, in the kitchen because, you know, classy people drink 40s. That's how we That's do right. Uh, <laughs> Even classier duct tape them to their hands. <laughs> yeah. You know, the double. <laughs> uh, I, my mom doesn't know that, so I hope she doesn't watch this. And then um, I think I was 16. And I broke up with a girl who, you know, stomped on my little heart. And my other cousin, Stevie, got me pretty drunk that night to try to, yeah. try to forget about it. And I remember, I, I remember being drunk. Here's where it got scary. I got drunk, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this feels right. This feels normal. And it was like, all right, never again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I haven't drank since. So I was like 16, 17, and um, I, may, I maybe had like a beer at a Coast Guard event to try to fit in, you know, kind of thing, but right. um, never been drunk since. How, had, how long were you in the Coast Guard? For? I was in for four amazing years. Yeah, it was a good time. And good you time. went, so you went straight from Reno into the Coast Guard? No, we went from Reno to uh, Northern California, so Petaluma area, gorgeous area, and uh, I was trying to help with the church plant. You know, and the church plant didn't really go anywhere. Um, so a buddy of mine was in the Coast Guard there, Corey, and he got me in. Really? Yeah. And I that's what got me down here. So it was the Coast Guard what brought you to California? To Southern California. Really? Yeah. I remember I got my orders, and I was like, what's Oxnard, California? Never heard of the nerd, dude. Like, I guess we're going down there. <laughs> going to the nerd. <laughs> and then we ended up just moving to Camarillo because we heard it was better. We were living on Magoo beautiful area <laughs> the swamp uh and moved to camarillo and yeah just started going to church and got a job working as a pastor from there so you you after you left the coast guard is kind of where you got into being a pastor being a youth pastor right yeah i, I told the story in a sermon about it actually two weeks ago i was going to church in Reno. We, we, you know, me and my wife came out of our childhood. If you want to hear some crazy stories, you should hear my wife's childhood. You know, uh, her brother's in prison for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And uh, her dad killed himself. And 
mom's a drug addict and alcoholic. And so, you know, her mom's an alcoholic. My dad's an alcoholic. We just ran to each other. We just celebrated 20 years together. That's we amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. I know I look that. too young. You do, you, <laughs> you do look too young. You look like you're at least 23. <laughs> so you guys got married at three years old. That's <laughs> three weird. Years I, old, right? I think that's frowned upon Dude, in this country. Flattery will get you everywhere, Josh. We're good. Uh, <laughs> no. So we celebrated 20 years together and we were just walking our dog. We just got a dog. Terrible decision. Animals. Um, <laughs> And we're walking our Australian Shepherd in our, you know, our three-quarter of a million-dollar neighborhood where our home is, you know. Yeah. And I remember being a kid growing up in just the bad parts of, of Reno. You know, our parents are renting apartments, and her mom's on Section 8. And I remember walking the neighborhood and being like, seeing a $400,000 house, being like, could you imagine if we got that house someday? You know, imagine yeah. if we made it mm -hmm. there. And now we own twice that, you know. We were just walking, and I was like, man, 20 years, and you've had my back for 20 years. That's like, cool. 100% of the time. Like, you know, my, my ride or die lady, you know, so. And you guys were together in Reno, right? Like, yeah. Because how old are you? I'm 36. You're 36. So you guys, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been together since you were 16 years yeah, old. Yeah. Yeah. Met her when I was 16. That's crazy. You know, that's a blessing, bro. That is a blessing. That's because he doesn't drink. That's how you're able to stay with one I drink, and, and I've been with my wife for a long time. I, I stopped counting at 29 well, years I'm, together. Yeah, so. yeah, you've been together. Yeah, yeah. See? I haven't been, you know, I haven't been completely honest because if I did drink, I would be in a morgue because she would kill me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she, no, so with her history, too, her family history, uh, she obviously wouldn't put up with drinking. Yeah. And she's the same. We get around drunk people, and she's like, we need to go. Like, we're out. You know what I mean? Just zero tolerance. Yeah. So as far as, like, when you got into, you know, this shows about adversity and obviously based off what we've been talking about, you've been through plenty of it. That's why I was really excited to have you on this show because your story coming up it is so adverse, right? I mean, there's so many, I remember hearing you in one of your sermons talk about, you know, the big, I can't remember his name, but the, like saved you and your brother from a fire in the van, you know, but he was yeah. like an ex-con, you yeah. know, just there's these characters in his life. Mm -hmm that are they're all criminals you know and and but yet here's this guy that kind of rose above all that mm -hmm. he's been married for he's faithful he's been married for 20 years he has a beautiful family yeah let me clear we've been together for 20 sorry years. 20 years sorry we've been, been together married for 14 we weren't always believers you know? <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason both our kids are in our wedding bow, photos bow. <laughs> <laughs> who's the flower who's the flower girl well that's <laughs> my daughter <laughs> That's no, my kid. <laughs> <laughs> no. But aren't you a pastor? <laughs> That's like the people, one. people just don't, con <laughs> people can't connect that, right? No, no, no. Like you, well, yeah, I remember going up on stage with arm tattoos and a lady being like, were you in a gang? Do I look like I was in a gang? <laughs> you see a lot of white boys in gang street gangs or what? <laughs> no, not that look like you. <laughs> no, not as pretty as me. <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, just where we are now is just insane. That's just cool. acts of God after act of God. Yeah, the the story you shared, the guy whose name was CW. CW, if you ever come across this, love you, man. Uh, it was my dad's friend from Compton. <laughs> and my dad just had the wildest friends hanging around all the time. And this is in Reno? Yeah. and uh, Right outside of Vegas. Yeah, right, right outside of, <laughs> just the outskirts of Vegas, Reno, Nevada. And uh, my dad's friend drops a cigarette in a van. The van goes up. And my dad, rather than get us out of the van, decides it's a good opportunity to attack the driver for dropping a cigarette. So he's punching the driver and choking him. And meanwhile, me and my brother in the back seat, like, 
uh, it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and CW jumps out, unbuckles us, yanks the side of the van, dude. And I just remember standing on the side of the road, the van's engulfed in flames, and my dad's choking the driver. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, you know, those are those kind of – Josh, you, you had a crazy childhood too. You share those stories with normal people, and they're like, yeah, that didn't happen. That sort of stuff doesn't <laughs> go on. I'm, I've seen Reno 911. That stuff happens on Reno 911. <laughs> but, you know, when you have – Parents struggling with substance abuse, they don't make clear decisions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's it. You know, and, and that's, I think, one of the things that I relate to a lot with Zach's story is number one, growing up the way I did, right? And, 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 I, and I had a really good childhood, but I was in these places where kind of what we've talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Where I was around scenarios that a lot of people just couldn't comprehend mm-hmm. or understand. Yeah. You know, the fact that I'm even sitting here at this table having this conversation with you guys is is a is an is a miracle yeah and you know when you what i want our listeners to understand is you know because we have so many different types of people that come on this podcast now right we've had entrepreneurs we've had music producers we've had musicians yeah you know pastors our deal, you know, that we did together. So you got a car guy and a radio. I mean, you have all these different dynamics that are out there. And the whole piece that we really want to convey to people is when you see people that are in a place of success, you got to realize there's a space in their life where success wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. They had to fight through it. And like we, like with Greg, when Greg was with us, we found out that not, he'd already built up one company, right? And it went south, but then they have the resolve to go work for a company, give him five years and then start another one. And now he's got the success that he's has now. I think what, what tripped me out on his story was like, uh, the business he failed with was the same business he was going to give a try. Yeah. What? Five years later, yeah, just yeah. in a different space, right? Yeah. A different location. And that speaks volumes too. Cause sometimes you can take an idea, you can take a thought, you can take a gift and maybe it's not applicable to the current environment that you're in, mm-hmm. but when you ch- transfer environments, sometimes you can take those same things and once you put them in this environment, you flourish, right? right? It's like seed. You can put it in different kinds of ground, but you put it in fertile ground or non-fertile ground, right? You put it in non-fertile ground, it's not coming up. Mm-hmm. You put it in fertile ground, like Camarillo, Camarillo, my God, you can pee in Camarillo and grow a man. <laughs> And it's gonna it's gonna grow up, right? I'd like to challenge you on that. <laughs> that was an analogy. Right? It was a metaphor, whatever you want to call it. So Do you imagine I, peeing in your backyard, and all of a sudden this dude pops up. Hey, man! <laughs> so I I grew up in this area and born and raised here. You're from Texas. You're from Reno. Yeah. Do you guys feel that you guys had to leave the area you guys grew up in to to not be that person you didn't want to be? I, I don't I don't feel like. I don't know much about Texas, them boys down there, man, at all. Um, We're just a bunch of good old boys. <laughs> but I know, yeah, Reno breeds. It just, for me, it just bred failure for people. So you, you felt you, like you had to get away oh, once you yeah. had the chance? We got a chance to get out of there. I remember I was working for a union job, making the best money I ever made, and just killing myself working so hard. I was talking to my buddy about a church plant, and, I remember my grandpa, union guy, retired union guy, couldn't walk, you know, kind of like Josh, uh, all Thanks. busted up. <laughs> and he, I was telling him, I was thinking about planting a church, and he's like, man, that's a, I would never leave a union job for something for, 
for God's going to be anywhere, you know. You don't mm-hmm. need to leave that. And I remember making the decision to leave the union job and, and go to no job. Church plant job had no income, right? And uh, walk away from it. And and I found out we, we met the guy who ha- who's my boss at the union job like six months later. And he goes, yeah, dude, I would have laid you off within three months. You know, like all, all the work died. Wow. You know, oh, wow. you would have been you would have been out on the street, dude. I just remember being like, Man, God took care of that situation. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and the, the the church plant didn't work out, but in his God's crazy road of, you know, of just getting ready he wants you, you know. I it, it worked out in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I gave two years of my life on the open ocean for the Coast Guard. You know <laughs> I mean straight on the ocean, just cutting holes in waves, dude. Two years of my life. Missed two years of my kids' life. Yeah, you know, and sometimes I look back and I'm like, man, is there would there have been an easier way to get where we are? But then I realized, you know, God ordained all of that movement, one hundred percent, you know, and <laughs> even get, even brought me across the current church that I work for, gave me a shot, you know, never worked for a church, had no degree, and they and they took me on. I finished my bachelor's degree. I'm getting my master's degree, you know. Nice, you know. So, are you working on your master's right now? Yeah, through where? Liberty University. Really? Online. <clears throat> you know, the class. Oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter where it's from. I mean, if to to go through that kind of work, you know, and I only did a semester of seminary, right? I mean, I got my undergrad, but I remember going back to seminary and just like being in my master's program. And it was a three and a half year program, full time. Wow. And that, that was kind of one of the reasons I bailed out of it because I was selling cars at the time and I realized I wanted to be in the car business. I didn't want to be a pastor anymore, but I mean, geez, the amount of work that goes into a master, my brother's doing it right now, amount of work that goes into a master's program. People don't realize like when you get out of college within three or four years, you forget how much you typed yeah, or read yeah. or scribbled. Or use Chag, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Everything. Use what? <laughs> chag? You don't know what Chag is? What's Chag? Oh, man, don't record this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you brought you it up. You gotta, she's, you a recent, she's a recent college graduate, <laughs> so yeah. So, um, no, Chag's, we actually used it when you're trying to work out math. Like, we use it for our sons in high school. When, you're tra- when you can't find the answer for a math equation, it'll show you the steps. No way. It'll also give you the answer. Not that we ever used them. <clears throat> but Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. No, no, no. That's um. like that's like when you would take those calculator watches into your algebra class, and then the, you know you wear long sleeve shirt over See, it. See now, that, it's the same thing. Different you're generations. Aging yourself, you're aging. <laughs> yeah, we had teacher comes by, you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, the calculator watch. I remember those. So oh yeah, yeah, man, you were hot. You were hot stuff if you had a calculator watch. You know what's wild now? Just being on a podcast. I mean, I talk to all these high school kids. I'm like. What do you want to do? And I want them to serve the Lord in one capacity or another. But they all think they're going to be rich. Yeah. You know, and I, I tell them all the time, my parents are a great example of this. My my parents' parents were upper middle class. Oh, you know? wow. My mom had horses as a kid. And she went from, from that middle class lifestyle to lower than low class. You know, living in Section 8 housing, but not getting Section 8. Right. That make a lot of yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. and um, being too proud to get food stamps and so not having food, you know, those sorts of situations. And these kids are like, you know, what do you want to do? I want my son. He's he's 16 going on 30, you know, and um, he's like, I want to make I'm going to make 70 grand a month. Who's that? Who's the oh, who's the guy on on the all over social media right now? Andrew Tate. Yeah. 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 And everybody thinks they're going to be Andrew Tate. Like, I'm going to have a podcast. People are going to listen to me be chauvinistic online. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, social media, you know, that, I mean, the way I grew up, like, they told me my career 
was a side hustle. Yeah. It wasn't until I started taking it serious that I realized like, yo, I, I could turn this into a career. Yeah. And now you have uh, DJs, you know, getting million dollar contracts in it's crazy in these big yeah these huge venues and but everything. they're grinding and working for it right yeah you know, 16 year old yeah. boy thinking he's gonna he's like i don't even need to go to high school oh, i want to no. make 70 yeah. grand a, mu- a yeah, month yeah see that's where the that's like, where the boat gets missed right <laughs> yeah. you gotta realize there's there's a process to it some guys get lucky there's these different people out there that have gotten very fortunate. But, he, but even those that get lucky, they still have to prove themselves once. Yeah, and there's hits. a work ethic that yeah. still went into it, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's not like it just happened overnight, unless you're Justin Bieber. And then, but even then, I mean, the kids put in countless hours of work, mm-hmm. you know, into that, even though he got discovered at like 13 years old on a, off a YouTube video yeah. kind of deal. We you can't know? all get on. Get by on our looks, Josh. Some of us have to grind. To get oh, money. stop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Talking to the guy that looks like he's 23 and he's in his 30s. You take my hat off right quick, dude. I don't know. You Tyler, can't. You got your headphones Tyler on. It'll mess like everything up. pretty well, dude. The yeah, Tyler, Tyler's got his own sex appeal over there. <laughs> He's, he's gonna end up on the he's, he's gonna end up on the, the cover of GQ one day. We're all gonna he be should like, be on hey, camera, right? Tyler. <laughs> yeah, he should be on camera. He should definitely be on camera. He's gonna be on here soon. He's just gonna have to set up all his cameras so like he gets all his good angles of himself. Then we'll really know, you know, we're we're at the conceited level of what Tyler's about, right? Let him yeah. film himself. We'll I don't think out. he's conceited. He's very humble. He's I'm very sure, humble. I'm sure he's working hard to find my good angle right now, dude. He's, he's getting oh, it. He's though. getting it right now. It's not working. Got that Irish nose hanging out there yeah. <laughs> so uh what about you uh josh uh did you feel like you had to get out of uh, texas yeah i did but i went out to, you know i went to tennessee and loved it and then i came back i was home for a, for a little bit and then i went out back to georgia you know i lived in florida georgia tennessee texas and then back to texas you know like and before i moved out here i was back in texas for 13 years but i was in dallas right so it was a different town it was a city right Right. i grew up in a little east texas town of a hundred thousand people now i'm living in dallas which you know has millions of people i I think for me it was an insecurity thing right i had created such a reputation for myself it wasn't somebody did it for me i was very disturbed i very much you know had daddy issues and all those things growing up and to find any kind of confidence or strength in myself I wasn't getting it there because everybody felt sorry for me, mm-hmm. right? Like, and then they would see me make, as I got older, they'd see me make these bad decisions and it would be one of those things, but your potential, you have so much potential. Why do you keep doing this? Because of your potential. And I was kind of like, all right, well, if somebody sees so much potential in me, then who's going to reach out and kind of like, this is what I see you're capable of doing. So I didn't really have any focus. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody had always told me I was, I was anointed. I was going to be a pastor that was my goal. But to me, it kind of felt like one of those deals where, and, and don't take this the wrong way because I loved being a pastor. But to me, it was one of those things where the kid that doesn't have any option becomes a soldier, right? It was like, I could either be a soldier or I could be a pastor. Mm. How do I not take offense to what you just said? I did both of those. I don't know. <laughs> right? No, you did. <laughs> you can join the military and be a pastor, bro. Oh, Josh, where's this going? <laughs> So I'm just going to drink my beer now. <laughs> and it gets worse. Anyways, Zach's like, I'm out of here. You could, be, you could be balding. That would be terrible too. Yeah, but I wouldn't look as good as you if I was. But no, and, and that was, there was this space where for me, I really loved being a pastor. But I wanted, there was just, it, it just wasn't 
clicking. That wasn't the thing that clicked for me. You know, for me was I wanted to be, I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be this thing that was able, this force that was able to help people. I grew up in the church from the time I could see straight, right? That's kind of the difference between our stories is I was there from the beginning and I had so many wounds by the time I graduated college from the church that I was just being a pastor to kind of like justify this existence that I was in. Mm -hmm. So when I realized it just wasn't, and I was good at it, but when I realized it just wasn't my thing, I I was still unhappy. I had this great relationship with the Lord. I have that now, right? But I'm a lot happier now. Mm -hmm. And and, and so that was for me, one of the reasons, for me, I think it was more about breaking away from what I thought I was called to be more than breaking away from my hometown. Part of my breaking away from my hometown Mm -hmm. was there was this piece of, when I was there, everyone kind of enforced this idea of what they thought I was supposed to be, but nobody ever had the time to ask me what it was I wanted wanted to be, be, right? I wanted to be a basketball player. Well, you can't do that, right? You're white and you're six foot, six foot four, you know, you're not tall enough. And it was just like, you're not athletic enough. Well, I want to be a singer. Well, you don't sing very well. Well, I want to play an instrument. Well, you don't have, you don't play the instrument very well. It was kind of like, all right, well, what can I do? And then when I found cells, you know, that was the thing that really kind of elevated me. And that's when a, you were going to school too. Yeah, right? yeah. I was, and I was, I'd graduated, graduated college. I got fired from my youth pastor job. Probably for drinking. It was. And, uh, <laughs> and I came home with the singles on a Saturday night. It was terrible. Uh, you can listen to the first podcast. I, I, I tell that, that story. <laughs> yeah. The intro podcast, you shared it. Yeah, you shared I did. a lot of I that. I shared yeah. a lot of that. When I came home and I found it was, it's weird because I came home, right? I got fired in Florida. I came back to Tyler, not Dallas. I came home and I got the job selling cars. And it was in that space that I found what my future was, right? So yeah, there's this piece of me that needed to leave, but there's this other piece of me that's glad I came back Mm -hmm. because I was able to find some things that propelled me forward into the, into the, where I'm at now. How'd you like that? I mean, I, I, it's crazy for you to be sharing it in front of a pastor because you're, (laughs) you can't all be used car salesmen. It's true. You're a funny story. So I leave being a pastor, right? I'm selling cars. I'm selling these used cars and, and I'm, you know, I'm at a bar and, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to buy this girl a drink and, you know, I was in, you know, I was in this bad space, but I was making this money, right? right? Like I was all like, okay, I'm making money, but I'm, I should be a pastor and I was still dealing with that dichotomy and this real cute girl comes up and I, I want to buy her a drink. She goes, yeah, we go up to the bar, but I go to buy her a drink. She goes, so what do you do for a living? And the guy's like literally making her drink. And I was like, well, I, I sell cars over at classic Toyota and the Mercedes store. She goes, Oh yeah. Do you sell the Toyotas or the Mercedes? I was like, well, actually I'm in the used car side. She goes, Oh God, <laughs> you're a used car salesman. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like I'm all excited. I'm like, I'm, I'm printing money over here, girl. You know what I mean? She's like, you can just drink the drink for me. And oh, walks off. Man. I'm like, whoa, oh, <laughs> where are she you was, going? She was bad for you. Yeah, she went and hooked up with a Coast Guard guy. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> who became a pastor. <laughs> yeah, who became a pastor. Not many. <laughs> oh, you know, though. Josh, don't edit out that last yeah. laugh. Yeah, <laughs> don't edit that one out. That Cut was great. That out. I, you know, though, I think when you surround yourself with successful people, though, you find more success. Would you agree? I completely. In fact, we've talked about that yeah. before. That is, 
I think, and I think that's what you've got to do, right? If yeah. you want to be in that space, because it's like your dad's friends, right? My dad's friends too. None of those guys, all those guys are in their sixties now and, and they're still working their tail off, but they're still in these same life decisions kind of, mm-hmm. it's like, they just think at some point those decisions are going to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not. Well, there's an argument that alcoholism, you stop developmentally when you start your alcoholic I would, lifestyle. Would, and it makes sense. sense. I mean, how many 50 yeah. year old alcoholics have you met? And you're like, dude, you have the brain of a 15 year old. Yeah. You know, the decision yeah. faculties of a 15 year old. I'll be honest with you. I don't hang out with any alcoholic. Not much. No, I kind of leave them. I'm kind of like you. I know I kinda, some. I'll yeah. introduce you. No, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I got some friends that drink, but you know, <laughs> they're not alcoholics. They just drink. <laughs> no, I mean, just church people has been. I mean, there's church hurts, right? There's church hurt stuff. You come across people who are legalistic, and people are sinners in general. So you're going to come yeah. across every kind of person in church, and that's what breaks my heart when people walk away from church. It's like, well, I met some bad people. Like, Amen. That's why we need Jesus Christ. You know? So, Absolutely. It's it's hard to believe that um, you could turn your back on a on a good, gracious, and holy God because of bad people. If you read the Bible, dude, people I, are people are bad people. <laughs> and I think that was one of the healing places for me too. Mm-hmm. Going home was I went to my home church and kind of processed that. You know, it was like as I was older in this lens now with all these people, I realized that a lot of those people were just loving on me, right? And I was probably taking it a lot of it the wrong way you know, because of my inability to process things just because of that, that security filter that I was looking through that was a very insecure, right? right? So everybody was always coming after me in my mind. And then, so when I went home, it, it, there was a beautiful healing space in that, in that church, my home church. And that was really good for me because it helped me understand that Yahweh is Yahweh, right? And we're his creations. And that's just the reality of it but people are going to hurt each other. That doesn't mean Yahweh's hurting us, right? Mm-hmm. He sent his only son so that we could have this relationship with, with him that we could impact other people's lives. I mean, the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? Well, the first one's to love God with, with all your heart. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> There's two of them. That's where legalism comes in. Yeah, Joshua. exactly. Right? That you're definitely getting your master's. You, you got all this theology. <laughs> yeah. Both of you guys are going to go yeah. out. He's leaving. <laughs> Get this man a beer. <laughs> I'm fired. You know what's wild, though, is um, you, you mentioned you went back to Texas. Now the question is, I'm getting to the point where my head pastor, amazing guy, David, you mentioned him yeah. earlier. Um, he's taught me everything he can about preaching. He told me that. Like, I've taught you what I know. And now I'm looking at, like, dude, I don't, so encouraged by African-American preachers, dude. Black preachers are so great, you know. And oh, just, Bishop T.D. Jakes. And, and um, our, our denominational presence now is Pastor Jenkins. I don't know if you ever heard Jenkins mm-hmm. preach. And, dude. So I heard him at a conference recently. And just lays out the gospel, just gets all hyped up, and doesn't pray at the end. He just says, like, they need to know Jesus and walks off the stage. And I'm like, you can do that? Like, you, can, you can just walk off? Like, they, like, drape him in a cape, you know, on the way off. And I'm like, I've never seen this in my life. So I actually did that the last time I, I preached. I was like, dude, I'm just going to just, just gonna walk off. Just walk off the stage. How'd it go? Dude, the church loved it. The church, <laughs> I've never heard him get louder, you know. And they were like, they all kind of said the same response I did. I saw people in the audience like, he's, he's done? You just walked off. <laughs> yeah. You just left. But Elvis I, has left the building. I had this six-year-old woman come up to me afterwards. She's probably in her 60s, um, successful businesswoman and her husband. And she's like, that's the best pa- uh, sermon I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, wow. 
That's cool. I, I always thought I would get, yay, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You filled in while the pastor was gone, right? Go back to the high school room. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm at the point where he's encouraged me to either plant a church or go be a head pastor somewhere. Yeah. And so the question now is, do you, do you stay where they're successful people? Or do you go back to the hood in Reno and preach to people that you know? So that's been a, do- a thought for you? To- oh, yeah. yeah. My wife hates the idea. You know, I ain't ever going back to the hood. I'm too pretty now, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, that's my my thought from God. Like, do you want me to go back there? Because I, I never thought rich people, no offense if you're from my church hearing this, but I never thought wealthy people from Camarillo, California would want to hear me give a sermon. Yeah. Just in, you know, what do I have to share that's worth them hearing, right? That's a self-esteem problem, you know. And um, now that I've been successful preaching here, I feel like if I go back to the hood, I'm going to be like, I'm gonna be a hood star, you know. Like he's using, he's using big words, man. He can articulate things. He brought the two two letters for poor. Yeah, yeah. Now he's poor, not poor. But even like thinking about going back to Central California or something, I go back, go to Fresno or Clovis, yeah. you know, somewhere like that, and preach the gospel. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting to me. I, I would be excited about the opportunity, but. My wife is less than excited. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's there's a there's a, a merit to that. You know, there's two things, right? When you talk about going home and, and, and planning a church is number one, you know, is you're going to be, you're, you're coming from such a different life experience space now, yeah. right? That you'll surround, you'll end up finding the people in Reno that are successful because you just won't hang out with them that are not. Right. Yeah. You'll find all five it, of them there that are doing it, well. And you, and you, and those will be your five friends. Right. <laughs> but the, you know, the other space of it too is that, I mean, and Jesus even says is, is a prophet is without honor and is only in his hometown. Yeah, dude. I could just picture people I went to high school with. Dude, like, you're doing what? What? So there could be, there's a pro or there's a con, right? Once, yeah. Because once they see that life living out over time, and all of a sudden there's this belief, right? People start to go, okay, he's, n- this is real. Mm-hmm. There's something this guy's doing. And then they see you go through some adversity and come up and still never deny your faith and mm-hmm. still come up and, and you're, and you're still trying to encourage other people and love on other people yeah. and build this community that, that the Lord's called you to. And it's just a really, it's a, it's a really neat dynamic when people start shifting their thought process about you. Mm-hmm. And start realizing that what you're about is a very serious nature and a very serious matter. Yeah. And then it's almost like this respect meter just goes way up, right? Yeah. And then sometimes those those people become your biggest assets. Yeah. And they were your biggest critics when you first stepped on the scene. Yeah. So it, but it, it really kind of just goes back to how are we going to be consistent with what we do, right? How yeah. we act, how we are around people. When the, when the, when the, when the stress is high, do we snap at people? Are we able to kind of process and, 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 and articulate what it is we're trying to say? I'm guilty of snapping, but I'm also pride myself on getting it right too, yeah. right? So it's not like I'm not 100% one way and I'm not 100% the other way. I, and I'm not really balanced, but I know when I get it wrong, there's this piece of me that goes, okay, I could have gotten that right. I could have done it different. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a tougher role because you're a bigger guy. So people are all gonna, they're going to assume you're kind of aggressive. I know, yeah. bro. You know it's, I mean? And I got this deep voice. You look like a caveman, you know? What like, I mean? like why are you talking to me like <laughs> that? Club me and drag me out to the cave, dude. So you got to come across. Well, you're, you're not cute enough for me to club and drag to my cave. <laughs> I work out, dude. I work out. <laughs> What's going on under the sweater, dude? Uh, 
I don't know if any of us want to see that, Zach. <laughs> Tyler, what's up, man? You want to see it? He's got a camera. <laughs> snap, 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 snap. So would you go back to Reno? To oh, any day of the week, yeah. man. I mean, I got my brother there. My brother, dude, straight up Doug. Doug, yeah, I love you. He owns 75% of a little town right now. Like, dude went from legitimately being just... My brother's childhood was nuts. I mean, he, he had the worst end of my dad's drinking because he lived there the longest. He was the mm-hmm. baby in the family. So when my dad's drinking got really bad, my brother was just in the, in the mix of it. And uh, he went from just being a crazy teenager to owning, like, being a part owner in, like, 75 acres of property. You know, oh, wow. And they're putting hundreds of houses on this property to rent out. And um, did success. And my sister, my sister's, a, my sister's been a school teacher since she graduated UNR. And you talk about the other people we went to high school with. One, my best friend from elementary school is dead, got stabbed to death, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other kids we know are like jail, you know, on the streets. I saw one one of my cousins, dude, was was on the streets, living on the streets downtown Reno, you know, on Sixth Street where the prostitutes hang out, you know, mm-hmm. just doing drugs on the streets. And so, man, like seeing my brother and sister end up the way they are, it's just it's such a blessing. Yeah, and that's where I, I just get sometimes I get I get beat up on people. You know, talking about their situations in life, putting them where they are. Yeah. Put your head down. If you if you got to join the military, dude. That's right. Or go be a pastor. <laughs> you got to be a pastor. Be a pastor. <laughs> got to be a soldier. Be a soldier. Got to. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> nothing <laughs> at all. I mean, uh, I yeah. didn't think so till today, but I guess I like how you tried to think. set it up and it backfired. Yeah, way backfired. <laughs> no, I like how Zach jumped right on that way. He was like, "Well, I've been both." <laughs> so. <laughs> Going to talk about long-term marriages now and how rough those are? <laughs> no, I'm, I, that's my goal. I'm shooting for one of those. That's impressive, man, to be together for 14 years, married, and, and yeah. going through everything you guys have been through. And well, She could do better. She probably could, but yeah. you couldn't, so I'd hold on. Heck no, man. I'm holding on. <laughs> that's why I got her pregnant young. You know, right? Lock her down. Yeah, lock her down. It's like an anchor baby. That's <laughs> 100% what it was. All right, if there's any kids listening, these are jokes. Okay? <laughs> these are jokes. Don't put an anchor baby in a girl. We are talking about Can Jesus here. Can we change here. my name on this podcast? <laughs> Zach's like, why did I agree to this? I didn't use my last name. We're all right. <laughs> that's all right. He's going to send you the email. Edit this part out. Yeah, Edit cut this, this one out. out. That part about anchor babies, yeah. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> that was Josh's yeah. idea. <laughs> but you know, uh, I'm I'm so glad you you took the time to come in here and, and share your story. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we uh, judge judge the book by its cover, and uh, I would have never have known that you know the way you grew up. And then I offered you a beer, not knowing. Do I look like I drink though? Is that like a yeah? You kind of got that look about Man, you. No, it's because I offered you. I said you want a water. And you had grabbed the beer, so I just, you know, said, like, yeah. hey, you want to be I figured if I was yeah. Josh's friend. Yeah. I well, I mean, there's a, a there's a 90% here. chance that that's going to be a <laughs> I, You know, it's so funny, though. You see yourself the way you grew up. You always do. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So when you say that, I would have never thought you grew up the way you did. I'm like, man, I feel like I totally look like I'm from Reno, Nevada. I got all my smiling teeth, so I guess not. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> who's your dentist <laughs> that was one thing about being out in polk county tennessee man when i was selling cars at this dealership you'd have this family walk in and they'd have probably 15 teeth between the five of them playing a banjo and like 10, 10 of them would be in their pocket you know and it was like <laughs> what are trying to do what are they trading in on the used car teeth <laughs> Gold teeth. <laughs> I got some teeth. I got some teeth and some moonshine. That's all your teeth are falling out. You've been drinking too much moonshine. <laughs> so uh, where's uh, the church at that uh, you, you're at now? Well, I don't want to say now, dude, after this <laughs> conversation. Come on, man. We, 
We want to get some youth out there. No, no, no. <laughs> no, if you you should find a better pastor if you're youth. But it, I, I work at Cameron Community Church. It's an amazing church. People who love God, serve God, live for God. I've been a youth pastor there for three years. You know, just watching God change kids. I mean, I got, Josh, you know this, man, but I got, you get to baptize 27 kids in the summertime, dude. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. That changes your life, you know. You come back to the same thought. You know, you shouldn't, it's like, I'm just baptizing kids in a lake, dude, watching God change your life. And you're like, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. I should be working construction in Reno, you know, (laughs) (laughs) at best, you know, and just watching God use that, use you for that. And you get to that. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but you're like, man, if if this is all God ever did for, it with me through me then amen but i'd love to see him do more right yeah. you know i'd love to be used by him my wife had a dream the other day that i was like a big pastor at a big church and um that's not a dream i don't know <laughs> you know you know what's crazy though right now churches are hurting i mean i just saw i just read a study that a, lo- a really large church is a church of three or 300 people or more you know the average church in america is only 100 people right now it is it, it used was to that be way. 200 it was that way when i was pastoring yeah. too it used to be 200 and now it's coming down so if you like our church is like 400 to 500 people that's a really large church mm-hmm. you know where it, i accepted christ at a mega church it was like 2500 people you know and then you wow. hear about tennessee churches texas churches oh, with 30,000 yeah. people yeah i mean bishop know? had 25,000 members Back there at the Potter's house in wow. Fort Worth, Joel Osteen's church has got like thirty or forty thousand members. He's a, he has a old he has uh, basketball. Astro, arena, he has right? the old Astrodome. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to preach that many. I would just like that's the thing. Like open some ears. Jesus. I mean, at some point, there's you know I get it, and that's cool and all, but what kind of community are you having when you got thirty thousand people showing up? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you and that's you're you're a corporation at that point. You know, that's why I love Camarillo community. My church was 3,000 people, right? And it was a small church, according to, like, the dynamics of what— I mean, we used to do these church tours as kids. We'd bounce around from each church and sing at the choirs, and then it would all be much smaller or much bigger churches, right? But they were always in that 2,000 to 4,000 range people. And when I went to work in Florida, the church I was at in Florida was only about 350, and I think they're up to, like, six or 700 now. But it's like Camarillo community. I mean, I don't even go every Sunday. Uh, I've just been fortunate to build these relationships with some of the some of the people inside the church, the mm-hmm. community of the church, and so I'm able to have these amazing relationships because it's not this massive juggernaut of a church where you get just completely lost in the wave of people. Yeah, you know, and and you're just a number. And, and you said it's like 400 people now. It's like 500. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I mean, we're counting online numbers because people are still not coming back to church. You know, yeah. And after COVID, uh, nationwide, they're saying we lost like 60 percent of pastors just gave up. They really, just, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't when hear you that. See, when you see 30 percent of your church population or more not come back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's many reasons why that might have happened. I think people just got comfortable sitting in their jammies at home watching church online, you know. And so, yeah, I was I was doing that before the pandemic, and I kind of just flowed right into it when the pandemic showed yeah, up. Yeah, I was I it was like natural for me <laughs> we'll, already. We'll but talk later. We'll, we'll figure this out. <laughs> but, at you least know. you're streaming it online. I <laughs> just <laughs> that's what's awesome about adversity, though, because they came up some to some adversity as pastors, and they're like just too much. And once you come through the life that I've lived through, you're like, mm-hmm. if that's the worst coming my way, yeah, you know, let's keep going, let's fight, you know. And that's I've, the, I've seen some things. You know? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, a lot of times you weed out with stuff like that. You weed out the people that may not necessarily be there. And to, that's where I'm like, God, you know? what do you got coming up? Who's mm-hmm. coming up, right? Yeah. And that's where 
Like, if there's anybody listening who wants to be a pastor, and they're like, man, I don't think God can use me. Come find me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll teach you to preach. Like, we got people to teach you to preach. Yeah. Even Josh. He'll oh, put the beer down, and he'll you teach you how to preach, baby. <laughs> that was one of another good things I was good at. I loved it, too. I really did. You need to teach me, Josh. Teach me. Yeah, I got a lot of that. I got a little bit of that Bishop T.D. You'd like my style. I'll get in there and get rowdy. It's <laughs> And the, the Lord said, <laughs> "Sweat, you got a sweat, you got Need a sweat, sweat rag, rag. you yep. got a sweat rag guy. Yeah. That's when you know you've made yeah. it." <laughs> yeah, I have a different conversation about that. <laughs> Do you have a, a video when you used to preach? I have some VHS yeah. videos that I'd, tells you. I'd love to check that, that out, man. I'll, 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 I'll bring one. <laughs> I got several. Yeah, I got several. I I, you know, it's it's wild. I had a I had a storage facility in Texas. And it, it uh, ended up losing everything out of it. My sister, it was, my sister was taking care of it. Long story. We ended up, she didn't pay the bill. And they, I think my stuff all ended up on like some storage wars or whatever. (laughs) But all my sermons were in there. Oh, wow. That I'd, that I'd wrote over the years. And I mean, we're talking like a hundred sermons were in that storage facility. I I was between my interns and my internship and my full-time gig. I mean, I preached quite a bit and I loved it. You know, I was, and I was good at it. And I got a really good response from the kids. For me, it didn't have anything to do with not loving it. It was, you know, I couldn't, you know, you can't drink. And I was a drinker. Mm. You know, I mean, it just, it was one of those things that it just was what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, it's not like I'm an alcoholic by any stretch of the imagination, but I enjoy having a beer. And if I was out at a restaurant having a beer or a cocktail in my denomination, it would destroy the reputation, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible is very clear. It says it's better to wrap a chain around your neck, a ball and chain around your neck and throw yourself into the ocean than to lead one of these little ones astray. Mm-hmm. You know, back then I was, I was dealing with youth, right. right? I wasn't dealing with grown ass men. I was dealing with kids and their, mm-hmm. their minds were forming. And I just didn't want to put myself in that position anymore where I could fail them like right. I did before, you know? So I went and planted a couple churches and, really wrote it out and I just decided, you know, I just was never, it just, as much as I loved it, it just wasn't, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing as much as everybody in the world thought it was. Maybe we'll get you back to it. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us and we'll definitely uh, have you back as we continue to do the adversity podcast. If you'll have us. Well, I only speak for free once. Josh will have your check on the next right there, yeah. <laughs> That's what pastoring them is. <laughs> is that the pastor or the evangelist gifting on that one? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, next time we'll put your uh, cash app or your... <laughs> yeah, we'll put your Venmo. <laughs> Venmo we'll start a GoFundMe. <laughs> GoFundMe for Zach. Get those hair plugs going, dude. I need to start a GoFundMe for that one. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, when when are we back, uh, Josh? Uh, depending, well, with this knee situation, I may be around next week. So we'll, we'll be back in the next couple of weeks for sure. Just depend, you know, my grandmother's not doing well, so I may have to go out to Texas and, and spend some time with her for Christmas, but, uh, we'll, we got a little holiday time, so we may get one in. We, we, we may take a little break. We'll just kind of we'll definitely see. be back uh, at the beginning of the oh, year. Oh yeah. We'll definitely be back in the beginning of the year and hopefully my episodes. knee will be a lot of. A lot more better. Yeah. Well, thank you guys uh, for taking the time today, and uh, we'll catch you guys back on the next one. Peace.